Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 73. As y'all know, I like to spend the summer in the Psalms. This summer, we're going to spend some time with Asaph. Asaph was a worship leader. You might think he didn't have any problems. The guy in the pulpit, he don't have problems, does he? You're wrong. Asaph struggled. He struggled living a life of faith in a world that was turned upside down. When the wicked are prosperous and the righteous are persecuted, faith feels the tension. And for Asaph, the tension develops in a very interesting way. He develops something called envy. A little known monster called envy. We're going to pick that up today in our sermon in a sentence. How do you deal with envy? Be jealous for God. Be jealous for God. Let us pray, and then we're going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, it is not by mental aerobics that we come to prize Christ more, but it's by your Spirit opening our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, our heart that we may understand. Father, would you do that for all of us this morning? That when we leave here today, we can say, I love my God more. Do this for us in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to start in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten opposition. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there any knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them to fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment. Swept away utterly by terrors. 
Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them like phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made God, the Lord God, my refuge, that I may tell of your works. And thus ends the reading of God's holy word this morning. Joseph Epstein, in his book on envy, makes a distinction between envy and jealousy. Jealous, one is jealous over what they have. One is envious over what someone else has. One who is jealous, take, they guard, they're vigilant over something they possess. Someone who is envious looks at them and says, Why them and not me? Where is mine? And we see this in the Bible. God describes himself as a jealous God. He's jealous over his own glory. But God is never described as an envious God. You see, we have a culture built upon envy. You go back to Soviet Russia, and comrades would turn one another in over a perceived advantage. I want you to turn on the TV. You see a 40-something-year-old man. He's got a dad bod. And he's in a pool surrounded by beautifully bikini-clad women. And you know what they're doing? The advertisers want you to envy that man. So you'll buy the deodorant they're selling. So you can level the playing field. You see what they're doing? They're using envy. Get on YouTube and you'll find if you go to the trending section, all the videos are the same. They just get more and more outlandish as people chase after the, they're envious, they're chasing after the success they see in others. Now Asaph suffers from the problem of envy. Many times in our own life we have said the same thing that Asaph has said. Truly God is good to his people, but I was envious of the prosperity of the wicked. Envy is dangerous. Today, we're going to combat envy with jealousy. Let us diagnose the problem of envy before we switch to the solution. Let's talk about envy this morning. Envy. There's a story. There's a holy hermit. He's in the desert. And these men are trying to tempt this holy man. 
They bring wine. They bring women. They bring song. Nothing works. The devil walks up and the devil says, Your instruments are too crude. Watch this. And the devil goes up to this holy man and he says, Hey, your brother just got a promotion. He's the bishop of Alexandria. And when the hermit heard of his brother's success, a scowl of envy consumed his face. Envy is a toxic thing. Joseph Rawls defines envy as a propensity to view with hostility the good of others, even though it does not detract from our own. We view the good of others with hostility. And let me tell you how envy works. Nobody envies Jeff Bezos. Nobody envies Bill Gates. The people in this room, we envy our neighbors. We envy somebody's new trunk. The envy of someone else's children. The envy of someone's promotion. Envy is short-sighted. It only attacks things within an arm's reach. And we see this in Asaph. He envies what he sees. You see, envy begins with an obsession. Envy begins with an obsession. It begins with thinking too much over others' belongings, over others' fortunes. And you know what happens. Somebody gets a new, a new promotion, and you think about it all day, all night. And you think about it with rose-colored glasses. Oh, how nice their office must be. Oh, it must be nice to have a letterhead. Oh, I bet that parking spot just saves them all the steps in the world. But what happens is as we're obsessing over what they have, we forget the frustration, the long hours, the time away from their family. And before long... These desires turn into anger. Why them, God, and why not me? Why did they get the following, the fame, the fancy? All in vain, God, have I kept my hands clean. And all of a sudden, we wake up one morning, and we feel like we've been shortchanged by God. See, envy begins with an obsession. But envy develops into an observation. I want you to notice something about Asaph. Look how he describes the wicked. He talks about how fat they are. He talks about how they live. He talks about how they speak. He talks about the friends they have. He is so particular in how he defines them. One man points out that admiration for someone keeps a distance. But the envious man assaults someone with praise. The sum total of Asaph's thoughts become the sum total of his words. And do you know what's missing in the first half of that psalm? Judgment. Judgment. Instead, Asaph, in verse 10, Asaph says, look, all the people, they're following after them. Alan Ross points out that Asaph is beginning to drink in all their claims of successful living. Let me talk straight for a moment, church. 
We are consumed with worldly things. We are conversant with worldly things because we're envious of worldly things. And you see it everywhere. A Christian, when affliction strikes, they shake their fist at God because we have drank down the world's vision of comfort. When God calls us to holiness, when God calls us to lay down the life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, it doesn't settle well with us because we envy the world because they get to do those things. God, why can't I? When the world is drinking down their wine, we whine because we're not. We become more observant of their lives than the life of our own dear Savior. Because we envy their lives. You see, envy begins with an obsession. It develops into an observation. But it ends with emptiness. Joseph Epstein, who I referenced earlier, has a, a little story. An Englishman, a Frenchman, and a Russian find one of them genies in a lamp. The genie gives them all one wish. The Englishman says, well, my friend has this beautiful cottage, overlooks a bubbling brook, it's lovely, I want one just like it. But I want one with two bedrooms. The Frenchman says, well, my best friend has a beautiful blonde mistress, and I want one, but with red hair, more cultured. See, all these men do with envy. The Russian says, well, my neighbor has a, has a cow that produces a vast quantity of milk. It makes the, the, the richest cream and the finest of butter. I want that cow, he tells the genie. Dead. Envy gets to a certain point that not only does it want what other people have, it wants to kill everyone else's joy. Envy is a murderer of joy. We see this in Asaph. He says, I almost spoke thus. I almost went to the generation of your people and said something I would have regretted. Asaph is stricken and rebuked because he finds no pleasure anymore in life. Is this not the pattern? Doesn't envy eat us out from the inside? Envy is like the dog chasing the car. It's all fun and games until you catch the car. But then it doesn't work out too well anymore, does it? Envy will never satisfy because it's always looking for something greater. I mean, if you have a radiator with a leak, the answer isn't to put more water in it. The answer is to get a new radiator. The answer for envy isn't more stuff. It isn't to get what our neighbor has. We need a new heart. Jealousy is a picture of that. Envy wants what someone else has. Jealousy is concerned with what it does have. If Asaph embodies envy... We need to look to Jesus to see what jealousy looks like. What does jealousy look like? 
Well, I want you to notice that Jesus was, Jesus was not envious of this world. The foxes had holes and the birds had nests and he never heard Jesus complain about the lack thereof. The, the Pharisees sat on the seat of Moses and he never saw Jesus jockeying for power. Pilate was face to face. Jesus was face to face with Pilate. And Jesus said, hey, my kingdom's of another world. Pilate was not threatened by Jesus because Jesus was not envious of his position. Jesus was not envious for this world. He was jealous for another. He was jealous for another joy. Jesus was jealous for his heavenly portion. He was jealous for his heavenly portion. Isn't this what Hebrew says? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he is seated at the right hand of God. Before the foundation of the world, the Father promised the Son a people. And we see this in Isaiah 53. That when he made his soul an offering for guilt, he would be satisfied. That with this prize and this possession, there was nothing on earth for Jesus to envy. The will of his Father and the praise of his people were far more precious to him than the whims of a fallen world. When he was bound to the cross, he did not envy the freedom of the soldiers that hung him there. He did not envy the freedom of the Jews who mocked him as he perished. He had nothing to envy. He was jealous over his heavenly portion. And you know what that jealousy looks like in the life of Jesus? He was able to turn to a dying thief and give that thief the same joy he had. That's what jealousy does. Instead of it... Envying health and wealth, Jesus was jealous of a heavenly joy and able to give it to others. And now that he's exalted in heaven, he looks at us and says, My joy I give to you. As all you wet folks know this morning, when you get the head wet, it cools the rest of the body, doesn't it? And the joy that has been poured out on Jesus Christ trickles all the way down to us, to His body. All those united to Him by faith will enjoy the blessing and the portion found in Him. Have you been into the sanctuary? Have you beheld His beauty? Notice that word beauty. I didn't ask, do you know Jesus? I'm asking, do you enjoy Jesus? Is He your portion are you jealous over Him? Have you found your joy in Him? It is by far superior. Thomas Brooks says that sickness and disease may take my health and my strength. Death may take my family and friends. Enemies may take my estate, my liberty, and my life. But none of these can take my God away from me. If we chase after earthly portions, we will be disappointed. Honey is good, but if you keep eating it, you're going to get sick. 
If you chase after earthly things, it will make you nauseous. But the soul can never say that about Christ. He is our fountain that never runs dry, our light that never diminishes, our friend that never leaves, our lover that never forsakes. Who do we have in heaven besides Him? You're not going to get to heaven and go, good golly, I get, to go, I get to paint all day. We get to heaven and we say, there is my portion. There is my Jesus. Who do we have on earth greater than Him? He says He will be with us to the end of the age, and yet there are so many things in life we have enjoyed that we enjoy no longer. He is our portion. The envious man says this, I came into this world with nothing, and I worked mine hard my whole life to end up with what I started with. The jealous man, the man jealous for God as his portion, has more than he could ever earn in this life and the next. Because God has given to us himself. So we need to ask one question. If jealousy defeats envy, how in the world can we be jealous this morning? To be jealous means to guard, to be vigilant over something you love. We must be vigilant over our portion. I encourage you this morning to be jealous with your time. Show me your calendar and I'll show you your heart. You see, when Asaph spent all his time looking at the world, it did not end well. He spent the first half of the psalm saying, they, 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 they. But once he spent time with God, he said, you, you, and you. My friends, it wasn't until... He beheld the face of God that he saw the futility of this world. It wasn't until he saw God aright that he saw the world aright. Now I want you to go and I want you to talk to someone that works in Foot Locker. They all have beautiful shoes. You talk to a guy that works at Best Buy, he's got all the new gadgets. You talk to somebody that works at a bookstore, they bring home tons of books. Why? It's because it's what they look at all day. You know, if we spend all of our time on Facebook looking at all the stuff other people have, it's no wonder that we're eating alive with envy. If we spend our days consumed with the lives of everyone else and not what God is doing, it shouldn't surprise us that we're being eaten alive. We need to be jealous of our time and guard our heavenly portion. Secondly, we need to be jealous with our ears. When Asaph listened to the voice, his own voice in the world, it did not work out well. Envy affects our heart and minds. It gives us a skewed view of the situation. It's all roses and no thorns. All forest and no poison ivy. If we are to be jealous for God, we must be jealous with his voice. Asaph says that you guide me by your counsel and you will receive me into glory. Those led by the world's wisdom, guided for the world's riches, will be led into the world's pit. But those who are guided by God's voice will be received into glory. Lastly, 
I want you to be jealous with your praise. When you praise something, you're setting a standard. If you get on social media and two people post something, and you like post A and you don't like post B, post B, second post, will be more like post A because they want your praise. You've set a standard. Now I ask you, church, what are we praising? Are we praising in one another the joy, love, peace, goodness, patience, kindness, gentleness, truth, and self-control that the Spirit has worked in us? Are we praising people for their Christ-like character? Or are we praising people because they got a new truck? Are we praising people because they're living a life of comfort and sin? Are we praising people because they look more like the world? Are we praising people for what they have in Christ? Asaph was drinking up what the world was pouring out. But once he beheld God, he said, I live to declare all your works. Are we setting a standard? Church, let me leave you with this. Envy is the most short-sighted sin. You take a man in prison. He's on death row. You give him a million dollars. How's that going to benefit him any? You give him all the pleasures of the world. How's that going to help him? He can't enjoy them. What he needs is a pardon. And when Jesus Christ and his portion, we have a pardon, we have a privilege, and we have a purity. That we have an assurance of God's love, a peace in our conscience, a joy of the Holy Ghost, and an increase in grace that will receive us into glory. What can the world give us? If you've spent your entire life chasing the world's riches, Jesus Christ today extends you his portion. If you would just repent and come to him, enter into his joy. He's not stingy. If you've gotten sidetracked, it's easy. We live in a day full of a media culture that will absolutely drown you out. Today's the day when we lay down that hunt and we return to our first love. I promise you, there is nothing in this world that can satisfy like Jesus Christ. I've got time for a story. Raymond won't have time for the story. Y'all have got time for the story. Man said, was a billionaire, had tons of money, and he said, I love my money, and he died. And he left in his will, he wanted to be buried with all of his money. Well, at the funeral, here's the widow, and she's next to the casket, and she's brokenhearted. And her friend comes up next to her and says, Did you do it? Did you put the money in there? And she said, Yeah, I did. I wrote a check. That's what envy does to you. It's short-sighted. It leaves you an IOU that it never pays. But Jesus Christ extends to you his joy. If you're filling your life this day with the envy of the world, if you're spending all the time watching news, social media, and the things that are happening, I encourage you this day, spend time with Christ. You will find a greater joy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, our hearts are so prone to chase after things we see. 
And yet in your word, it is more sure than the very pulpit I'm standing in. Give us a vision for Christ and his beauty and the joy he extends to us. Day by day, will you allow us to experience more and more by drops until the day when we can plunge ourselves deep in a fountain without shore and without bottom. Father, I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Just stand with me. We're going to say one last hymn. I think it's 642.